Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What's up on a Tuesday, middle of the dead season. I say that, but the NBA final starts tonight. But you guys know what I mean. It's the middle of the dead season right now on this Tuesday. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you guys are with me like you always are. Uh, yeah, NBA final start tonight. I'm interested. I don't know about you guys. I, I am interested. I'm locked into the NBA finals. We talked about it, just brought it up briefly on the radio show yesterday and did not completely get shouted off the radio, which is kind of uncommon when it comes to talking about uh, professional basketball. A lot of you guys tell us that nobody cares, although the ratings tell you that about six times more people care than that of the College World Series. But, you know, I don't need to go down that road today. I don't need to go down that road today. Uh, That does get started tonight. Uh, aside from that, you've got the Stanley Cup Finals that should have been a sweep last night. It wasn't. So Game 5 is coming back to Tampa, and they'll win there, and there will be a celebration in Tampa, just like the mayor said. Could you believe that, by the way? I, don't, I didn't talk about it because, you know, why would I? But the mayor of Tampa said that she wishes her team lost in Montreal last night so they could come back and win the Stanley Cup in her town. Now, they were up 3-0, so they're not going to lose this series, but that's uh, that's playing with fire a little bit. Um, it's playing with fire sub, so I, I hope it doesn't come back to bite her. Uh, I am um, I kind of actually hope it does. That'd be a hell of a story coming down from 3-0. But that is really what's going on right now in sports, NBA Finals, NHL, and then Major League Baseball playoffs. So today, uh, like I said, we're doing football every day. Every single day from here for the rest of the year, we're doing football. Today, I want to talk NFL, though, because we brought it up on the radio show yesterday. I think it's a really interesting conversation. In terms of the NFL and interest nationally, I think the teams that that we care about the most around here, so Mississippi geographically is a Saints state, especially south of I-20, Saints fans everywhere. On the Mississippi Gulf Coast, there are Saints fans everywhere. Honestly, Jackson. It's a big Saints town. You go to a handful of bars on Sunday, and there's Saints fans everywhere. It's a Saints town. Uh, So geographically, Mississippi's a Saints state. And then before Dak was a Cowboy, you had a lot of Cowboys fans around here. And now that's just been exploded because of Dak's presence, uh, of course, in Dallas. And I think of the three most compelling teams going into this season, two of them are the Saints and the Cowboys. Green Bay, because of all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers is pulling, is also up there. But in terms of national interest in the NFL, teams that people are paying attention to, teams that people are caring about right now, it's the Saints and the Cowboys. Those are the most compelling storylines this season. I want to talk about Dak in particular. I'll, I'll bring both up, but we brought it up yesterday. More pressure, more whatever you want to call it, is on Dak Prescott than any other player in the NFL this season, I think. 
I think he's got more pressure than any other player this season. There's also a couple of other things I want to talk about first, though. I do want to remind you guys that if you are watching for the first time, if you're not a regular listener, this is basically everywhere. This is uh, obviously on Periscope. The Sports Talk Periscope is how most of you are watching this right now. Uh, You can also find me on Facebook where this is streaming as well. Just search my name and like my Facebook page or YouTube. Most importantly, find me on YouTube. That name right there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and ring the notification bell so you'll see when, when I go live. I will be doing a lot more of these, so not just on weekday mornings. When football season comes, there will be more uh, live videos. So subscribe to the YouTube channel and then turn the notifications on for my channel, and you'll see when I'm live on YouTube. It'll give you a push notification on your phone. And then wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe, Mike in the Morning, or My Name Should Do the Trick, and leave a rating and a review. So I'll get to some of your texts first. I've got a a baseball thing I want to talk about real quickly, and uh, also sports business news, which is interesting to me. And then I'll get into why there's more pressure on Dak than any other quarterback in the NFL uh, coming up first. Devin says Suns in six. Uh, I, I would be fine with that result. I, I, I'm okay with both teams winning, honestly. Uh, the NBA needed a matchup like this. They needed no New York. They needed no L.A., no Golden State Warriors. They needed this because maybe its media partners will finally wake up and realize that there are fans that care about the league that are not on either coast. And the years of Giannis needs to leave Milwaukee. Giannis needs to force his way out of Milwaukee. Giannis, all that stuff. And then him signing that max deal and staying in Milwaukee and winning a championship would just be just perfect. And then same thing with Phoenix. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, I think uh, he's a Hall of Famer regardless, but it will solidify his legacy. Devin Booker got that treatment last year. Moss points, Devin Booker got that treatment last year with uh, Draymond Green talking about how he needs to force his way out of Phoenix because you can't win there and, and now look at him. So I'm fine with either result. I, I'm fine with either result. Very unlikely that Giannis plays tonight, though, which is a shame. But it sounds like, um, he'll be able to play this series, which is impressive considering how just disgusting that injury looked. JP says, morning from the waterlogged Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yeah, we're we're wet up here as uh, as well. He said, a lot of people down here are excited for the NBA Finals. going to be fun to watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah, that's good to know. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because there is a Mississippi connection to the NBA Finals, and that's Devin, Devin Booker. Um, that's really cool. And, I mean, he's he's a, a budding star. He is a star. He should be a superstar already, but the way the league's covered, he's not. Um, maybe this will vault him into the conversation where people have, where it's just, you know, LeBron's still around, but now it's Steph and Luka and Zion. It's like, well, Devin Booker's been doing it for longer. And, I mean, look at this kid. Why are you not bringing him up at all? Oh, it's because he doesn't play on one of the coasts. It's a shame. Phoenix is a great city and a huge city, too. Like, I can't believe they actively choose to ignore places like Phoenix and Atlanta until they absolutely can't when they make a run in the playoffs. They're huge places. Millions of people. I I don't know. I rant about that enough, though. Good morning, Luke. Great show. Appreciate it, man. I'm glad that you guys are are with us. Charlie's asking if Chad Kelly's going to find a spot this season. That that Maybe, but it sounds like that ship has, uh, has possibly possibly passed uh, on Chad Kelly. Um, It's a shame because he was 
not getting in trouble after a Halloween party, not going into the wrong person's house. I have a theory on that. Um, I don't think that was an unfamiliar house. That is just my theory. And I'm, it, Anyway, um, if that doesn't happen, he's the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. It's a, it's a shame. But, you know, he has the talent to be there, just, just couldn't figure it out in time upstairs. Um, I'll start with the Dak thing now, actually, and then do the – the baseball and sports business stuff at the end, because I put it in the headline. I'm not going to make you guys wait any longer. We're already eight minutes into this thing. And I haven't, I haven't uh, led with why you guys are here, which is very bad in terms of broadcasting. You're supposed to lead with your best stuff. JP says to follow up on Sunday in hard knocks. It used to be a punishment for playing bad. Sean Payton made a comment back in 2011 along the lines of we'll never be bad enough for those cameras. People will gobble all that up with the cowgirls being featured this August. Yeah, like I said at the at the top, in terms of NFL and interest in compelling stories, our teams, if you will, the teams here that you guys care about most, we did a survey uh, on the radio show two years ago, I think, about fanhood in the state. It was a very scientific survey. We polled our Twitter audience and got like 1,500 responses or so. So again, a very scientific study. But Mississippi, at least Sports Talk Mississippi's followers, were about 40% Saints fans, about 40%, little less, there were more Saints fans, but a little less Cowboys fans, but generally about the same. And then the other 20 were a mixed bag. We had some Titans fans mixed in, North Mississippi, I guess, pull some Nashville crowd, uh, and some other random ones. Like we have a couple of Vikings fans that text into the show. They live in Mississippi, but for whatever reason, they have this tie to the Vikings. You've got some Packers fans mixed in because of Brett Favre, that kind of stuff. But generally, your teams here are the most compelling in the NFL. The Saints, it's more obvious than that of the Cowboys because they're replacing a legend. It's like the Patriots last year, sort of, although Tom was still playing. Drew Brees is retired now. You've got this idea uh, that... There's a, going to be a quarterback competition. But uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson yesterday said on Twitter that Jameis was QB1. It, the funny thing about quarterback battles, and, and we've seen it here before, Mississippi State is kind of going through one right now. Um, kind of. I think it's Will Rogers' job, but I, I don't know if that's accurate anymore. Uh, the team knows who the starter is going to be. When there was a competition when Chad Kelly was at Ole Miss, they played it coy and you know gave the other guys reps and you know balanced it out and it was a true competition and you Freeze didn't name a starter and all that stuff. Uh, they knew practice number one who the best quarterback was. They knew immediately. The team knew right away that this is Chad Kelly's football team. And we can pretend all day long that one guy is better than the other or, or that they're very even and whatever coach is saying to the media is is accurate. But they knew, the team knew right away that Chad Kelly is quarterback one. The same thing's going to happen here in New Orleans if it hasn't already happened. When you've got players absolute, uh, outspokenly talking about Jameis Winston being quarterback one, it's over. The competition hasn't even begun, air quotes, competition. It's over. When you've got players 
calling a guy QB1, the competition is over, that's who the quarterback will be. They'll respond to him better. He's actually played quarterback in the NFL, albeit an interesting quarterback in the NFL, but it's over. And it's weird to read into a tweet like that. I'm kind of feeling like I'm Stephen A. Smith here or, or, or Skip Bayless looking at one tweet and just making such a sweeping judgment. But with all the evidence that you have already, that Jameis was spending his offseason working with his wide receivers, that Jameis has been a quarterback in the NFL for years, has a 5,000-yard passing season, and he's got his teammates calling him QB1 on Twitter. I know it's it's just Twitter, but that means he's won the team over. That means it's his team. He's going to be the quarterback in New Orleans. It was never a doubt, but those kind of things is a strong indicator of how the team feels. The team decides who their guy is going to be. So there that story, though, is can Jameis redeem himself from his last year in Tampa where he threw 30 interceptions, where Tom Brady takes basically the same team over, although he added a couple of rejects. I mean, Antonio Brown was a reject. Gronk was retired. Nobody wanted Leonard Fournette. That That's 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 it. And he won a Super Bowl with that team. Can the Jameis Redemption Tour work? Can this work in New Orleans? It's a compelling storyline. It's one of the most in the NFL. And then you have Dak Prescott. I'll get back to some of your comments, though. Kyle says it's all about NYC and L.A. markets. You're not kidding. They'll learn, though. They need to learn that doing that is contributing to a ratings decline and not just for games, but for ESPN programming. It's declining. And now ESPN is in the news about internal office strife between Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. And that's the biggest story going into the NBA Finals tonight is they have – it's a mess. ESPN's a mess, and they need to figure it out. Because it's an embarrassment. But anyway. Opposing teams will now know the Cowboys' weaknesses from Hard Knocks. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Hard Knocks, though, if you haven't watched it, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a fan of Dak Prescott and you haven't watched Hard Knocks, give it a shot. Uh, It is the closest thing to reality in reality TV. It's very unfiltered. Don't watch it around your kids. (laughs) Uh, It's unfiltered. But it's real. I mean, they, they're they behind the scenes of practices. Everybody's mic'd up, but it's not just the good stuff. It's not like watching, you know, the, the in-house produced stuff that you get from Ole Miss and Mississippi State where it's all the rah-rah stuff like, oh, here's a player uh, that's donating to a local charity. And, oh, here's these guys having fun at practice. And here's the rah-rah speech before the game. No, it's real. You get everything. And you will get a lot of Dak Prescott. So it's worth watching if you haven't. Trust me, it's really, really good. You learn a lot about how NFL teams operate watching hard knocks. And now that you've got the Prescott component, it it makes all the difference. JP says 1,500 Mississippians voting in an online Twitter poll. Well, that's not scientific. It's gospel. Hey, man, that's more thorough than the Nielsen ratings. I'll tell you that. We get a better gauge on our Twitter than Nielsen does for that. Uh, it's more thorough anyway. Luke says, is Hard Knocks one of the only weekly episode show that does much of a ratings via terrestrial TV? Yeah, that's basically, that's it. I mean, terrestrial television and shows that air once a week and stuff like that, all that's just gone. It's just gone. Um, there are still some that make it, like Dave apparently does really well. The the show that the 
that goofy white rapper little dicky does um apparently that does really well ratings wise i mean you'll get some occasionally that that still survive but that way of delivering shows is that's it's over there's still some hangers on but it's over Kyle says, I think Sawyer, wait, hold on. Norman says, watch out for state Sawyer Robertson before season's end. And then Kyle counters that by saying, I think Sawyer ends up redshirting. I will say this. Forgive me for being repetitive. I said this around spring practice, but uh, Will Rogers last year was thrust into a situation where he was a true freshman playing an SEC-only schedule with a COVID-altered offseason, with a COVID-altered training camp, with a COVID-altered practice schedule, and he performed well. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But he was throwing against future NFL players last season, and a few months prior, he was his receivers were guarded by little Timmy, the piano player, right? I mean, the, the, the gap between high school football and the SEC-only schedule that he played is really significant. And he looked good and performed well, but there are growing pains that are attached to that. If you think that Will Rogers did some frustrating things at times, what makes anybody think that another true freshman is not going to experience some of the same flaws? I I, I know that Sawyer Robertson was a, was a blue chip guy, a high profile player, broke records, did all kinds of stuff. He's a hell of a player, but there still is a gap between high school football and that of the SEC. And if you think he's just going to step in right away and boom, he's just going to beat out Will Rogers and he's just going to beat out Jack Abraham, who's thrown for a billion yards in his college career, you're crazy. You're crazy. I think that he is the quarterback of the future. But And Norman, you didn't say that either. Uh, you said before season's end, which that that makes a lot of sense and I won't disagree there. But you have some people that I've heard from that think he's going to start day one. And maybe he does. Maybe he does, but that would be more of an indictment on Rodgers and Abraham than it would be for Robertson because he's going to go through the same growing pains that Will Rogers did last year. It's a hell of a talent, probably more talented, but he's still going to be a true freshman. So Charlie's asking if the Titans, speaking of the Titans, have uh, the best wide receiver duo with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Uh, if Julio Jones is healthy, yeah. By far the most talented duo of wide receivers in the NFL, if he's healthy, uh, if Julio's healthy. Yeah, but with HBO Max, JP says, being prominent now, who knows what ratings will pull on linear television? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's all the same to HBO, and they'll report those numbers in totality. But that, that is a good point. The streaming service is uh, pretty pretty awesome. He adds, I've been waiting on Hard Knocks to find something uh, – electric as the 2011 Bengals and Ocho Cinco. <laughs> You're not going to get that electricity in Dallas. It's more of a compelling thing than uh, than anything else. Patrick, oh gosh. Oh man. Saying, let's say Ole Miss wins nine or ten games and LSU fires Cocho. You think Kiffin is interviewing in Baton Rouge. If LSU makes the call, then yeah, I think so. Um, I think they would. But that's an interesting – I want to save this for tomorrow. I'm actually going to do this right now. Remind me tomorrow at 745 to talk LSU NCAA name image likeness. 
Perfect. Nailed it. All right. Because uh, I want to talk about that tomorrow in more detail. Can the NCAA punish LSU? I mean, yes, they broke the rules that are still going to be in place after name, image, and likeness, but are they really going to issue a press release where LSU gets multiple bowl bans because their players got money when now their players can get money? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I think so. I mean, I, th- there's a handful of jobs that, that I think Kiffin would leave Ole Miss for. And my guess would be that's one of them. But that's just a guess. LSU's got to be interested in him, too, though. And if they fire Ed Orgeron because of scandal, they, they may not uh, they may not go down that road. Luke says, Hardox is just another piece in the mountain of evidence that NFL is king. You are not kidding, man. You're not kidding. Um, Kyle says, does Corral have a backup quarterback ready if needed? That's another interesting conversation uh, because I suspect they're going to use Plumlee in other ways. So if Corral gets hurt, do you keep Plumlee in that role? Which I think they're going to have. I don't know for sure, but I think he's going to do some slot and flex stuff and and all that. I think so. Uh, If that is, in fact, the case, do you go to Luke Altmaier or Kincaid Dent? Or do you shift Plumlee over to quarterback and alter your offense some? That's probably the answer. but, But I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think that's the answer, though, is they they will move Plumlee out of his role, whatever it is, to play quarterback, but I could be wrong. Either way. So Dak Prescott, there's more pressure on Dak Prescott to me than any other player in the NFL this season. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but I think it's just reality for him. on, On one hand, being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys means that you have more pressure than most every other quarterback in the NFL, I mean, that just kind of comes with the territory. But as we talked about yesterday some, uh, after signing that contract and only having one playoff win in two appearances, it's put up or shut up time now. And it may not be fair because Dallas's problem last year wasn't offense. They couldn't stop anybody. He has more 400-yard passing games than any other quarterback in the NFL since 2016. That's real. I mean, he's putting up numbers, but the wins haven't followed. And the wins didn't follow Drew Brees for a while. I mean, the the number of times he led a game-leading touchdown drive in the fourth quarter in a game in which they lost because their defense gave up one in response is mind-blowing. Um he put up great numbers. They just couldn't stop anybody for a long time. The Saints' records, like in what, 10, 11, 12, 13? Not Drew Brees' fault, but quarterback is what quarterback is. There is more pressure on Dak Prescott to not just put up numbers. Kyle says Dak will throw for 4K and 30 touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to the 5,000 number this year, especially with the extra game. The extra game is going to change the way we look at some stats, but I think Dak will be a 5,000-yard passer this year. But you can draw a comparison between Dak and the Cowboys this year and like Ole Miss baseball and Mike Bianco next year. Nobody's going to care about the regular season. Tell me what you do in June. Tell me what you do in January. 
Do you win playoff games? Multiple. Do you make a run in the playoffs? That is where all the pressure lies on Dak Prescott. Right on his shoulders is winning playoff games. It's not entirely fair, but that's reality. Once you sign a contract of this magnitude, you have to be a guy that wins playoff games, and it has to happen soon. Because whether it's fair or not, the narrative around him is putting up numbers, no playoff, nothing in the playoffs, one playoff win. It's not fair, but that's that's the narrative. That's reality around him is hasn't won in the playoffs, hasn't made a playoff run. Now with this massive contract, all the pressure is on him. And luckily for the Cowboys, I think he's a guy that can handle that very well. We learned about him in pressure in year one. I mean, his transition from college to the NFL and getting thrust into a starting role that he should not have been thrust into. It was just they they had to do it. They had no other option. They couldn't groom him. They had to start him right away out of necessity and nothing else. Uh, He shined. So pressure with him, I'm, I'm not worried about, but it's there. It's absolutely there. And I, I'm glad that the Cowboys got hard knocks. I think aside from Aaron Rodgers' high school BS with the Packers, in terms of football, actual football, and not like who posted what on Instagram and who got in a fight alongside Miles Teller or whatever the hell his name is, the actor, while in Hawaii and stuff like that, living off the grid and doing Jeopardy. Like That's why Aaron Rodgers is, is interesting to some because he's acting like a high school girl. That's interesting because of football reasons. Big contract. I'm fine with it. You know, I think Dallas, at the end of the day, possibly overpaid, at least for now. But once the cap keeps going up, it won't feel like an overpay anymore. When you get a contract like that, your team has to take the next step. You have to win playoff games, multiple. You have to win your division. Those kind of things are going to fall at his feet this year. So I think with all of those factors, just being where he is, the the big contract that he just signed, the lack of playoff wins, which is not totally his fault because you've got to stop people and they can't. Um, The most pressure in the league is on Dak Prescott this year. The most pressure in the league. And we'll see if he responds to it. I think he will, but we'll see if he responds to it. Norman says, I agree, but Dak is Iceman regarding what we think of as pressure. He loves it. Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. And and add to it the injury, rehabbing from the injury. Uh, he obviously is is fully recovered. He's practicing and uh, and doing well. He didn't go through any kind of contact drills at OTAs because he doesn't need to, and why would he? But he's if the season started today, he could – play today like he's good he's ready to go Um, but recovering from an injury big contract Dallas Cowboys got to win right now I think he'll deliver I expect him to but that's his reality this season pressure all kinds of pressure JP says he's coming off an injury yes yeah that's the the thing I didn't even write down here I didn't even bring it up it was, what, a five-year deal? Sure, there's pressure to produce, but with the contract inked, he may not feel some pressure as before. It's an interesting angle, actually. I haven't thought about that. Uh, you know, some guys, after they sign their contract, uh, maybe there's a sigh of relief and they can relax and just go play instead of, you know, being on a 
uh, franchise tag year and he got hurt and his injury basically forced the Cowboys hand, but um, maybe there's more pressure to perform in a contract year, you know, before you sign your big deal. Now that he's gotten it, he can just kind of relax and, and play looser because he doesn't have to put up massive numbers to secure his status. It's an interesting angle. I haven't thought about that. And yeah, I agree. He's, he's, he's a cool customer. He's, um, He's wired the way you want your quarterbacks to be wired, for sure. And then on the flip side, how much pressure do you think's on Jameis? Uh, I think that's more internal for him than external for the the Saints. I mean, luckily for him, he doesn't have the same problem that Dak has, where uh, the roster, especially last year, 2019, had flaws, right? It's a flawed roster. Jerry Jones has not done the best job at putting things around Dak Prescott. Now, offensively, they should be in pretty good shape, but still uh, haven't done the best job at fielding a complete roster. That's not the issue in New Orleans. Jameis doesn't have to perform at the highest level to win games. I mean, we have saw it for two years now. Breeze was hurt in 2019, and Teddy Bridgewater went undefeated with relative ease. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater beat the Cowboys where his offense kicked four field goals, and that's it. <laughs> and then last year, Taysom Hill, uh, I mean, was awful in Philly, just awful, and they still should have won that game. Uh, but they went 3-1 and one last year with, with Taysom Hill running a gimmicky, really bad offense. Um, you don't have to be, with this roster makeup in New Orleans, you don't have to be great to make a playoff to to be a wild card team. I don't think they're going 12 and 5. The 17 game thing is still always going to throw me off, but um he doesn't have to perform the same way Dak does to get to the playoffs. It's different for Jameis. How much pressure is on him? I don't know. Uh that's something I've thought about a lot. I don't know if it's pressure, it's more of just massive shoes to fill. And I think there are some Saints fans that have expectations for the quarterback position that may not be met and they won't know what you know they won't know what to do with their hands. It's um that's interesting. How much pressure is on Jameis? It's not the same as Dak at all. Um, not the same. It, it's different. It's more filling shoes than it is actual pressure. Um Charles says you have a hundred dollars to put the over under on Ole Miss wins this season set at eight point five under. Uh if if it was 8.5 I'd go under. Um they just they've got to prove it on defense is where I'm coming from. Uh, it, I know they have upgraded on paper in talent. Uh they should be better at linebacker on paper. They should be better in the secondary on paper. They should be better on the defensive line on paper. They have turned that side of the ball over in a year in terms of what you think you know about the talent. But they got to prove it. And until they do I, I'm not going to I mean, there are people projecting 10 wins, and my response is, yeah, they can with how good the offense is probably going to be again. But until they prove they can stop people, I'm not going to tell you that they're going to stop people. they got to prove it first. So I think eight under 8.5 would be the safer pick. Uh, I wouldn't touch it, though. I wouldn't touch it. Porky, we could cover an entire week's worth of streams going over one possession losses from 2007, 8, 10, 14, 15, and 16 for Breeze. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that um, those Saints teams were not good in spite of Drew Brees being elite. His record in those times in one possession games is insane. When you unpack the fact that he has led game-winning touchdown drives that his defense then turned around and gave up a game-winning touchdown. It's sickening. You also say, yeah, job security often means less stress in human condition, I've been told. Say, Jameis is a footballer. If we don't have stupid expectations for him, I think Sean Payton will put him in position with all the weapons. Excited the deep ball is returning to the arsenal. Yeah, I mean, they've gone two years without the deep ball being an option. That offense has been exceptional where they couldn't throw the ball further than 15 yards down the field. Defenses were compressed, and they still produced offensively last year. Uh, It's impressive. It's really impressive. You add he's going to have turnovers, but if he works with his offense, embraces his role, I'll be disappointed with five PFF top 50 players if we don't win 10 games for the fifth season in a row. 10-7 and is a safe pick. I think, what did I say, 11-6 and a few weeks ago? 10 and 7, 11 and 6 sounds about right. Uh, still should be pretty good defensively, especially on the defensive line. Um, sounds like Marshawn Lattimore is going to play. I haven't seen anybody suggest he's not after his arrest this summer. I mean, maybe he won't. I don't know. I just I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, but there's weapons everywhere, and, and the deep ball is back. So yeah, I think that's a, a safe a safe bet for sure. Uh, I did go a little long today, and I, for that, I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, the comments are great and uh, driving the conversation, which is the whole point of me doing this. I, I don't want to just sit here and, and yak at you guys for for 45 minutes every day. I, wanted, I want you to have influence in the conversation, so I'm glad you're with me. Um, but I did go a little long uh, today, so I'm going to save – the baseball thing and the sports business thing for tomorrow. Uh, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll give you a teaser. First of all, Shohei Otani is, is on a tear that we've never seen in baseball before. The problem is it's not a top story. You know what I mean? It's not plastered everywhere. You don't see his name everywhere. It's not something that is overly marketed. I think that's a problem for baseball. So we'll talk about that. His all-star selection in two things, the first major league player ever. And then a new CEO at Amazon. And why is that tied to sports? Well, he's a big sports fan, and he's been heavily involved uh, in Amazon's relationship with Major League Baseball, with their relationship with the NFL, hockey, PGA Tour, the Bundesliga, which is soccer. He's been involved in all of that. He is a minority owner in the new Seattle NHL team. He's a big sports fan. I think that Amazon has been dipping their toes in sports rights ownership, but now they're about to go all in, and that'll change the game. I think that'll completely change the game. So we'll talk about that tomorrow, as well as the LSU thing I'm interested in. Can you punish these schools now that NIL rights are real? Anything else that, that comes up between now uh, now and then? So, JP says, I haven't seen a deep pass in 2016. No, it hasn't been the same, but at least a couple years ago, it was somewhat part of the arsenal. But 2020 or 2019 and 2020, it was completely gone. But thank you guys uh, for uh, for tuning in. 
as you uh, as you always do. And we will talk about that and more tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Ring the notification bell. And uh, also, wherever you get your podcast, you can find it there. I will be working on a rebrand soon because I, I just don't like this. I don't like it at all. Uh, that logo needs to be more prominent, I'm told, and I will uh, oblige. And uh, that kind of stuff. I'm also working on the the branding for the other things on the live stream that we'll be doing this fall as well. So I'll probably start doing that tonight. It won't be ready tomorrow because I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not very quick, obviously. I'm not a graphic designer. Uh, This does not look good. (laughs) This does not look good at all. So I'm going to change it and make it look better. And uh, we'll talk about all that stuff uh, tomorrow. Middle of the summer. Middle of the summer, and you guys are... um, are here, which is awesome. Can't wait to see what the numbers do this fall. But for now, uh, you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll see you on the radio this afternoon, and I'll talk to you tomorrow at around 8 o'clock. Y'all have a good one. Talk Mississippi Media Production.